On today's show, the Mavs get the win, bounce back during the game, but Kyrie Irving goes out with an injury. What do we know about him? What do they look like going forward? And who is the surprise step-up player? It was excellent. But I'll tell you why on today's Lockdown Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Lockdown Mavs. Don't believe you shouldn't be here. Loyalty never fades away. Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network, where even though Kyrie got injured, we still let it ride. Thanks for being part of the show and making Lockdown Maps your first listen today, where the best way you can help us grow the show is to listen every day, leave a five-star review, like the video, and comment anything below. Let us know in the comment section what's one thing that stood out to you in this game. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockdownNBA. Use the code all lowercase LockdownNBA for first deposit match up to $100. And joining me, as always, on the post game, what you got for me, the post game prodigy, slightly biased. Huh, <sighs> I, uh... An interesting game, to say the least, with a lot to talk about, as per Ooh. usual with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they keep me they keep me in business. That is That's like, they can't just have a normal, regular... I guess the Jazz game was a normal, regular blowout game. That was, the, that was as normal as they get, and yet we still got headband Luka and an NBA record. 50-point game. <laughs> yeah, we still got all that. Yeah. Yeah. Could Mavs, Mavs win this game, 125 to 112. Very take-care-of-business game for the Mavericks, but they did take care of business. Kyrie Irving goes out with an injury in the towards the end of the second quarter. We'll we'll touch on that. And then we got Dante Exum stepping up in a huge way. Luka Doncic leads a fourth quarter run. Uh, but let's just let's start here. Kyrie Irving was uh going up for a rebound. Dwight Powell going up for for kind of a rebound at the same time. Dwight Powell or Kyrie Irving lands first. Dwight Powell lands on top of Kyrie Irving's right foot, which is the the foot that he tweaked during the Memphis game. And the foot that he had issues with at the end of last season that kept him in and out of of games at the end of the Mavs terrible season that the Mavs had a season last year, right? Like, I must have blacked out. Did it? Did it exist? Did we black that? Out? Yeah. <laughs> and so that right foot, he, you know, he lands on it immediately. You can just see Kyrie Irving like as like wincing on the ground. He gets up, shoots two free throws, makes two free throws, <laughs> and then leaves the game. The Mav or the Mavs intentionally fouled, and then he gets out of the game, and. uh and then he goes to the locker room and like walks to the locker room. And then there's a, there's a report, quote unquote report from the Blazers broadcast. It's like Kyrie Irving left the arena in, in a, in a wheelchair. Yeah. And like call Paul Pierce, but like, I don't think he, I don't think he needed the wheelchair because he was still in the arena by the end of the game. So I don't think he left in a wheelchair uh, no. from all Mavs reports. He didn't leave in a wheelchair and there he's getting an MRI tomorrow. So we'll find out more about him tomorrow, but he's still in the arena and still, uh, and so he did not never left in a wheelchair. If you if you saw that report, it doesn't seem like it was uh, truthful, or maybe he got wheeled to the locker room in a wheelchair. Like I I don't know yeah. what I don't know what to make of it. But anyway, Kyrie Irving. It seems like he'll be out for for a little bit, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it looked bad. The post game stuff. I mean, Tim Hardaway said that he was in the locker room in good spirits, but you know that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So that's obviously. The Mavericks have taken care of business. I mean, they've done a good job schedule-wise with with these teams. They've done a good job because yeah. the schedule gets significantly tougher 
uh, oh, over the somebody, next month or so. I was going to say, somebody tweeted out the January schedule, and I was like, rack up these wins, boys, because, man, yeah. that January schedule is no joke anymore. Yeah, so the sooner Kyrie can come back, the better. Um, so, obviously, scary play. And just an unfortunate, I mean, it's just the reality is, it's just an unfortunate play that happened. Like, there's You don't no, want to blame Dwight? You don't want to blame no, Dwight I Powell? I don't know if people Dwight Powell played, landed on his foot slightly. I, it was just a weird freak play. I, I don't, I know everyone hates Dwight Powell. I, listen, I get it. I understand. I get that people don't want him playing anymore. That's all fine. I Like, cool, right? Like, I've shared the same sentiments in the past. But, like, blaming this on Dwight Powell and then, like, Turning towards, I mean, just being disgustingly nasty towards him is just, I, I think, way too much, man. This is sports. This type of stuff, unfortunately, happens. It's the unfortunate reality of the game, of any game. You don't think Rashawn Holmes would have just, like, contorted his body and missed completely and, like, dodged you know, in midair? Christian Wood wouldn't have even gone for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Maybe they were better off. <laughs> listen do you want Dwight Powell to go for rebounds or not right like I, <laughs> answer I mean, the I question my thing is, is uh, watching the replay like I mean he's going up for the ball Kyrie's yeah. not even on the floor people keep saying this like Dwight Powell should have saw Kyrie on the floor Kyrie wasn't even on the floor by the time Dwight Powell was no. in the air like it's just an unfortunate just play. a freak play yeah, I'm, and I'm, it sucks I get it but I'm egging him on because he was frustrated about this before but it, it was yeah. a freak play they both go up you know fall, they, Dwight falls on him. Kyrie happened to be there. It, it's just a freak play. Like, how many times does that actually happen in a game? And uh, I guarantee you no one in that locker room was blaming Dwight Powell. No. Maybe himself, but other, yeah. you know, other than that. So, yeah, we're not going to talk anymore about it. Uh, we just want to have, <laughs> have fun with that a little bit there. But uh, Hopefully all right. Kyrie's all right. Hopefully. One of the things that stood out to me in this game, besides XM, which we'll get into and talk about, is Luca first quarter. I thought he was excellent in this in the first quarter he came out he had 14 points he was shooting five of eight from the field and you're like all right here we go daddy headband luca like continues <laughs> continues to just play his incredible play since he had his daughter and uh and so i was like okay here we go luca's just gonna they're gonna coast this victory it's gonna be the same thing as the jazz game and then i felt like the second and third quarters so he goes he has nine points three of 11 from the field oh four from three this is in the second and third quarter combined and in those two, I just felt like he completely went away from what was working for him. I felt like he was foul baiting. Everything that we complain about Joel Embiid doing, I felt like Luka Doncic was doing those things in the yeah. second and third quarter, just trying to like, all right, how can we get offense going? Because this Portland defense is no joke. They're like top 12, top 13 in defense this year. They got Matisse Thibel. You know, they got some rangy wings there that they can throw around. And, and so I'm like, Luka was just trying to foul bait and foul bait. And that's how he's trying to get his offense. And then it just wasn't working. And then fourth quarter comes around. I'm like, all right, he's got to step up a little bit here. He's got to get them into some real, some real actual offense. And he responded by seven points, two assists in the first five minutes of the fourth quarter, like led them on a run. They went on a 14 to two run after uh, the Blazers cut it to one at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And it was just like Luca getting to the rim, Luca connecting with lively. It was the, you know, uh, extra extra passes. It was, it was all that kind of stuff, and I just felt like it was such a good response that we just need to see from Luca sometimes. Like, all right, you can you can mess around for two quarters, but when when it comes down to it, like create real offense, and he did. Yeah, no, I, you. I, I'm happy you said that at the beginning. Is that Blazers defense is good. They got a yeah. bunch of rangy defenders who get at it. They're active. They force steals, and when they blitz and trap you, I mean that's like Matisse Thybul, who is an All NBA defender at one point in his career. Uh, Tumani Kamara is a good Should defender. Be a 
can't shoot to save his life. God bless the guy. But uh, Tamani Kamara, good defender, I think, though. I think a coach before the game was like, hey, listen, you'll lose a thousand bucks if you don't shoot every time you touch the ball. Every time yeah, you don't shoot true. when you have the ball, you'll more taking and money the Mavericks, from you. Or the Mavericks said, you lose a thousand dollars if you close out on a Tamani Kamara <laughs> catch on the perimeter. <laughs> Do not even take a step in his direction. And they did. But uh, no, he's a good defender, though. And yeah, I think that, that that trap and that ball pressure got to Luca a little bit in the second and third. And like you said, mm-hmm. he can get frustrated during those moments where he feels like it's maybe a little too handsy and he's not getting the whistle he wants. But uh, no, the fourth quarter, he did a great job. You know, if the if the trap was weak or something and he was able to get past it, get to the rim or uh, find the open guy. And yeah, it was a great fourth quarter for Luca. Well, and Anthony Simons was like outplaying him. I thought at least I mean he was getting hot beginning of that fourth quarter. Beginning of the fourth quarter, so I, I marked it ten minutes. That's where they cut it to to one. It was ninety nine to ninety eight. Simons had thirty points. He was ten of seventeen from the field, five of nine from three. Hit all six of his free throws in that, and he ended up not hitting another bucket the rest of the game uh, after mm-hmm. that. But he was just he was lights out. I mean, he was just scoring all over the place. And I was like, man, he's outplaying Luca one on one, like one to one right now. And Luca then responded with, he hit a three, a drive, uh, kick, you know, a alley-oop to Lively. Just incre- like an incredible pass to, to Lively within that fourth quarter, uh, right yeah. where he needed it. But the great response from Luca, and that's the kind of stuff you want to see. And in these games where you just take care of business, you've got to be able to show the ability to just turn it on and to find a way to win. And they just, they did. Yeah, and Free Simons. Was, I mean, some of those buckets were just tough shots they from were. Simons. And that's what separates the Luka Doncic's from the Anthony Simons, though, is, you know, the the it, the defensive intensity on Anthony Simons is ramped up by a million. The Mavericks were ball denying him. They were guarding him, you know, at half court almost. They were switching every like screen. They, they were giving the him SGA a the lick. other day. Yeah, they weren't giving him a lick of space at all. And uh, guys like Luka Doncic are capable, like we saw in the fourth quarter, of, all right, solving that. All right, here's where I need to go with it. Here's what I need to do to beat this defense. I'll kick out here because they're going to help off of this guy. And uh, Anthony Simons, like you said, I don't. I think went the last 10 minutes scoreless. Yeah, he, so he, yeah he was 10 of 17 at the 10-minute mark, and he finished 10 of 21. So he didn't hit another field goal or free throw. So scoreless. And that's a testament to the Mavs defense, too. They played sure. much better toward, down the stretch of the game. But, yeah, uh, he was uh, – Anthony Simons was tremendous. I mean, that third – that, like, third quarter to start of the fourth quarter run. He was just unconscious. Insane. Insanely yeah. good. Coming up, let's talk about Dante Exum because I've been on the Exum estate. I've got the stocks. I've got the I've got the uh, my room picked out. And he just proved it so right in this game. What did he do? How is he so good? What should his role be going forward? We'll talk about all that and more coming up. Today's episode brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks Daily Fantasy made easy. Holy cow. We had a subtexter text me one of their prize picks entries. And it was one of the baddest beats I've ever seen on, on prize picks. Uh, you pick the project, you pick more or less on the projections of players. So for example, they went Brandon Miller, more than 14 and a half points, Scotty Barnes, more than 19 points, Franz Wagner, more than 23 and a half, Al Horford, more than five and a half rebounds, Rudy Gobert, more than 11 and a half rebounds, nailed all of those lost on Luka Doncic over or Luka Doncic more than 32 points, 32 and a half points. And Luka had 32 points. Exactly. Like literally missed that on a half. Uh, and so if you want to have some fun like that, put some money down on, on some of these games, uh, especially with the, you know, the in-season tournament tomorrow. If you're, you're checking that out on a Saturday, you can uh, check that out. Go to pricepix.com. Uh, use the promo code LOCKDOWNNBA. You'll get a deposit match up to $100. So even if you lose something, you still get the deposit match. So you win something there. Prizepix.com slash LOCKDOWNNBA. <laughs> How about that? 
Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us on Lockdown Maps, being part of the show, part of the Raccoon Squad, listening every day. Go subscribe to the subtext if you want to get text straight to your phone, updates on Mavs stuff, rumors, news to your phone, all that kind of stuff. I'll also send out a film review, so if you want videos like that where I break down the film, I'll watch the fourth quarter of this game, and I'll send that out to everybody so you can see thoughts on that and watch it and replay and all that kind of stuff. Check out the subtext. Click the link in the description. Text the number. All right, Slightly. Uh, one of my favorite parts of this game, Mark Falwell on, on Tim Hardaway Jr.'s charge that he took. Just the evil laugh that the game yeah. bellowed from him. <laughs> I was wondering if that's that? what it's for. So funny. I'm gonna, I, I think I'm going to keep this for a while. because <laughs> Tim Hardaway had three charges in this game, and I think Falwell tweeted after the game that he's now third in the NBA in charges. Uh, that's his best defensive skill. Maybe his best skill. <laughs> How about that? That's a that's a legit skill though. I mean, if you're you know, it's 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 being smart and being in the right place. I mean, it's a legit skill to have. So Devin Harris attributed it to his Big Ten experience because uh, Devin Harris went to Wisconsin and uh, Tim Hardaway went to Michigan. He said he said Beeline would always tell him at Michigan like you got it if you don't take charges like you get in trouble or you run or something like that. And so now he's just like hardwired to take charges. Uh, when him and Brunson were on the same team with the Mavs, it was that was. Brutal. <laughs> my middle my middle school coach used to want us to take charges in the backcourt off presses. It was the most in the disgusting. <laughs> yes, it was the most disgusting defense you've ever seen. Listen, listen slightly. Win at all costs. <laughs> like, all right, you come and set a charge here at half court. Everyone's just like, this doesn't seem right. Was he Tom Thibodeau? Was <laughs> he? He was not a basketball guy at all. It was like one of those. We need a basketball coach. Who it was wants the to football do it? coach? It was. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, it was the football <laughs> was coach. <laughs> in there, Dante Exum was excellent in this game. I thought that he was great. He got the start again with Grant Williams out, Josh Green out, and he played he played 32 minutes in this game. Yeah, thir- 33 minutes in this game, 23 points, season high, obviously, seven, ass- seven assists, six rebounds. And, man, I just thought that he was so good in this game. He pushes the pace. He actually scored because the attention was on Luka, and so he was just getting one-on-one coverage, and he would just run in transition, and they weren't defending the rim. And so he could just, if he get get past your man, you can get right to the rim. And he took advantage of that every single time, it felt like. No, Exum won this game for the Mavericks. Like, no yeah. toys around it. Luka, you know, played well, especially in the fourth quarter. But during that stretch where Luka was struggling and the, the Blazers were just trapping him every single time he touched the ball, uh, Exum was just the exit valve and was really good and did good in the limited non-Luka minutes that we saw in this game. But, yeah, his just his ability to get to the rim, it's just, it's, it's like a paint touch almost every single time he has the ball. And then that just leads to so many things. And he's a smart passer, a weird finisher too, because his layups are so strange looking. So unorthodox. They're like all, I don't even know how to describe it. It <laughs> looks like he's throwing them up, th- up there with both hands. He, ha- he had the one where he drives from the left side and he fi- there was like a defender at the rim coming at him. And then there was a defender like flying by the baseline. And he almost, he like hit the layup at like what? Like a 33 degree angle. <laughs> like it was yeah. just like, like leaning over to the side almost like his whole body in, in midair was just like leaning to one side and he hit it with two hands and you're like, how, how do you think to do that? <laughs> yeah. It's very weird. Very unorthodox. It's like how like, yeah, yeah. He'll contort his body in a way that like, he doesn't have like the unbelievable touch that Kyrie has, but he just yeah. maneuvers his body in such a way that it works somehow. Holy Obviously, cow. Kyrie gonna... had one of the best layups I've seen from him in this yeah. game oh, between two defenders up and under and with the end. Oh my gosh. Just, so he good. needs to come back ASAP. He's such an incredible joy to watch play. Exum also, his passing. He had seven assists in this game, and he just gets assists every time. He's just such a good passer. In the third quarter, about the four-minute mark, 
he posted up and I love X and post ups. I've been saying that since the preseason, like just give me like one or two X and post ups every game. Good things always happen. And Markeith Morris just like snuck around the defense and was behind him. And then Exum behind his back, like over his head kind of deal, uh, hit him with a pass. And it was great. Just like wide open layup. That was an excellent pass kicking in transition. He was great on that. And, uh, Man, he hit two threes, and one of them was at the the one minute twenty three second mark at the end of the at the end of the game, basically to like it, it was kind of done by then, but just to like seal it. And two threes, that's what we've been watching with Exum. If he can hit his threes, man, this is a really really good role player. But even if he doesn't, I think he's a good role player. Yeah, this is a twenty five minute a game guy. If he's hitting threes consistently, yeah. so we'll see. I mean, he said after the game that he's just had a rough shooting stretch, but he's still super confident in his threes. So um, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see if, uh, you know, that keeps up because like we said in the, what, who did they play last? Oh yeah, the Jazz. That's right. Uh, Luca had that moment. What was it? Like the first quarter or whatever. Yeah, where he kicked just, out to Exum and Exum drove and Luca was like, just, just shoot, just shoot. It's <laughs> a good Luca. No, I have a pretty good Luca impersonation. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. And so Exum was excellent in this game. He, he needs to keep getting minutes. He needs to have a, a spot in the rotation and, one of the things for this season was the Mavs needed to find who can be a playoff player on this team and who should they keep going forward because they took a chance on a bunch of these guys, Curry, Live, or uh, Derek Jones Jr., Exum. Like, they took a chance on a bunch of these guys, and now you have to figure out which ones will, will work. And Exum's looking like a guy that could definitely play a role like that because his defense has been have, has been pretty good too. Yeah, Exum is for sure uh, a playoff guy, especially as a bench ball handler who can yeah. come in and sort of – Steady the sh- like right the ship because there was like when the game was almost slipping a little bit. Exum did a great job of just steadying things and I mean really was great playmaking. Just finding guys, easy looks, controlling the offense, even in transition, bringing it up quickly but slowing it down when you needed to. Like and then you mentioned Derek Jones Jr. He had a great game too, and he's I think he's certainly a playoff player if he's knocking he, down his threes. He's definitely shown that. Exum also doesn't turn the ball over. Yeah, uh, really at all. He had two against Houston, and he's had uh, he's had five turnovers all season. Oh, six, Jeez. six now after tonight, but still, still, and he's played that a bunch. Insane. He doesn't, but well, that's the thing though. That's what makes him good is he doesn't, you know, he's not like Luca where he's going to make these crazy, like insane passes that you, where the angle's unreal and yeah. it's like live dribble skip passes where those will get picked off every now and then or thrown into the stands. They're all like right to wide open guys. Cause he just reads the defense perfectly and knows where the guys are. So yeah, he's been, he, he's been excellent. He was great in this game. Derek Jones jr. You mentioned too went one of seven. Talk about being confident in your shot. It's like, I, that's a good sign to me. It, if yeah. he's taking seven threes, and it, because, didn't, it didn't feel like it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Cause all of his threes were like, okay, he took them within the offense. You know, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. it wasn't like he was forcing any of these shots. You go, Oh man, this guy is, you know, like sometimes when Tim forces a bunch of shots, you go, can we just, can we not do this right now? And just, <laughs> But also, also, uh, okay, now that I'm remembering it, two of Derek Jones Jr.'s missed threes, one of them was an air ball, then he got it right back at a shot clock and got some insane and one baseline pull-up jumper that doesn't make any sense. Oh, yeah, that's right. Then he bricked one off the side of the backboard, got his own (laughs) rebound, and threw it down. So that's why I didn't feel like he shot so badly. That's true. Four offensive rebounds for him in this one. So he had eight rebounds overall. He had two blocks, two steals, and he was a plus 21. He's the highest plus minus of anybody in, in, in this game. He played 38 minutes to the second. Did you think at any point that Derek Dungeon would be playing 38 minutes on the maps? No. It's wild. I mean, if I thought it'd be like this season is a sinking <laughs> ship. He's been awesome. Him and him and XM have really have really emerged in in ways that we had hoped like Josh Green and Grant Williams would. These two guys have stepped up 
instead. And there's still there's still opportunity for Grant Williams to to get back to where he was at the beginning of the season and Josh Green to step up. But it's the, been these two guys have been the Mavs' key role players besides Lively. Yeah, and that's smart team building. I mean, they see the direction the league's going. Let's get smart players in here. Who I mean, Derek Jones Jr. has definitely been way better than I think any of us ever anticipated. But the vision was there with Exum the whole time, where it's like, oh well, if he hits threes, like he's you can kind of see it. He plays defense, in. is a little bit bigger, can you know pass? I saw it in, in uh, EuroBasket or yeah. uh, World the World Cup. Where it was yeah. like um, Exum's like running the Australian offense, even when like Giddy and Josh Green and Patty Mills are on the floor. It's like running through Exum. I was like, that's intriguing. And that's right. Out, and if you listen terrible. to Locked On Mavs all through the FIBA <laughs> where I watched all those games and all the Australia games and did post games after every one of those dang Australia games, <laughs> you know that because I was saying that the whole time too. Uh, yeah, you just you just saw it from there. Like, is Exum's really like their backup point guard and like their third ball handler? And sometimes he was their secondary guy. Uh, yeah. Because Giddy was kind of just like their, he was like thrust as their main scorer guy, which just didn't work for him. No, not working for a lot of reasons. Several things aren't working for him right now. <laughs> uh, Derek Lively, I thought, was, was really good in this game, too. Nine boards. He had 10 points in this one. Uh, just some really great lobs from Luca, And then he had one where he caught the ball right under the rim, and he had a smaller defender on him. I don't know if it was Scoot or somebody. And he just, like, kept the ball high and then little touch off the little touch off the rim, and he's just, like, adding something every game. He also – did he have a – did he – Hit that layup right at the beginning of the game where yeah they, first play first play they double Luca and then they kick it to Lively he's right at the free throw line the one dribble and then gets a layup and you're like yes let's go and then they could never do that again like they could never let Lively without help yeah and that tells me the that game. they that's any I'm always interested what teams run play number one because it's something you could yeah. tell they're either working on or are thinking about so it's like all right Lively we need you on these short rolls to go one dribble get to the rim and finish so we're gonna do it play one. Open, like right off the tip if they trap Luca, which they will you're gonna have that opportunity in first play and he did it and then he did it again like you said later in the game and if he's doing that then that's an, a nightmare absolutely it makes the it makes the Mavs offense more versatile which we've been looking for the Mavericks how can they make their offense more versatile all right well you bring in Exum so you have this guy to push the pace a little bit more and handle the ball and finish a little more when Luca and Kyrie are getting attention and lively now doing these things they also ran this horns play at like the 11 minute mark of the second quarter and lively got the ball at the, at the elbow. And then Kyrie was right behind him and Kyrie's defender, like, like walked up to try and guard lively. Kyrie realized it and kicked back to the rim and lively had a really nice assist right to Kyrie wide open layup, uh, his passing. And just like, he just makes the right play. You just love to see it. Yeah. He's reading, he reads the defense very well for a 19 year old center, like incredibly well. And fast so that, too, like just yeah. to make some of those decisions where it's like you have to take one dribble. Like, like you imagine Moses Brown, like he was out in this game, but I was just remembering like the Moses Brown experience. Like imagine Moses Brown in that situation, like deciding or, okay, I've got to take a dribble here. Or I've got to pass or I've got to kick back. You know, it's like it, just the difference between the two, just thinking about the two makes me really appreciate what Lively has done so far. Again, going after just smart players and just letting everything else fall into place. IQ, putting money down mm-hmm. on IQ. Uh, speaking choice. of which, I thought Seth Curry played some some good some good minutes in this game. He hit a couple of threes, and uh, he's just proven to be solid, and he's taken all of Hardy's minutes. Yeah. Uh, interested to see if Kyrie does have to miss some time, what that means for Hardy, but the Hardy stuff's interesting because, you know, not what we expected or hoped for. But, yeah, so, I mean, Seth, it just also goes to show that Exum's been very good, and Seth's also been good. 
and they it's, have a lot of guards. Yeah, it's not what we hoped, but it's what I expected. I expected Hardy to be out, and there's a lot of people telling me, really? like, Hardy's definitely going to play. I'm like, there's just no way with Tim and Seth Curry, and if they ever, like, get right and figure out Exum needs to play. <laughs> that was one of my yeah. caveats, too. I was like, if, if they decide he gets to, then there's just no shot, because Luke and Kyrie are going to play so many minutes, and you just, you just need other stuff on the floor more often than you need what Hardy can bring. And so... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if if Kyrie does miss time though, he is, his number is going to be called, and so we'll see. We'll see how they can how they can integrate him more. And he's just, he just doesn't seem ready for this kind of a team yet, right? Like, yeah, I mean, la- he was last ready for was, he was ready for last year, <laughs> right? Last year was more of a sinking ship. Um, <laughs> we don't know what the hell is going on. Just go out there and shoot. This is more so, uh, you know, they kind of have a better idea of what they're doing. They they have a better identity, and it's just playing more within the flow of the offense. And even like Tim, because that's that's something that Tim's been yelled at. But this is a good offense for Tim because it's just, hey, Tim, if you if you catch the ball, shoot. Tim had a hilarious three where Scoot <laughs> closes out. It is literally di- like closes out directly in front of him, but never puts his hand up. And Tim just shoots it directly <laughs> over him. It was just hilarious. But and then, like that's where Hardy needs to get out where he's just firing threes, firing threes, firing threes. And Tim for his, you know, like we said, Tim Stern, the league in charges. I don't think he's a great defender, but he he does try on that end. His effort is noticeable this year, to me at least. Could he be lost sometimes? Sure. Definitely. I, and I wonder if Hardy is, is at least in the coaching staff's eyes, much further off defensively. Well, you've got now, you've got these formulas now for this team, right? A couple, like a week ago or so, I did the thing. You just cannot play Dwight Powell and Tim Hardaway at the same time. You just can't. Like they're, They've been so bad defensively. And probably same goes for Tim Hardaway and Holmes at the same time. Like, it's just really hard to play those guys. So all of a sudden you're like, and then you can't play Hardy and Tim and Dwight at the same time. So they've got these pieces where you're just like, how can we make sure that our defense doesn't just fall off a cliff? All right, well, we've got to make decisions. And that's where you get more Derek Jones Jr., more Exum, more Curry even, because he's just more solid on on defense than Hardy is. We talked about that. He's been shockingly solid defensively, Seth has. In-season tournament, championship Team finals team head coach Rick Carlisle is very big on Seth Curry's defense. Yeah, that's that could be a, a blueprint for the Mavericks. What Indiana does because they they clamp up. Indiana's been clamping up in this in season tournament in a the way other, that has shocked me. The other thing I see about them is they're not big at all. No, they play like Neesmith. They play Bruce Brown. They play Halliburton, Miles Turner's big center, and then like who else? A Buddy Heald in their, in their lineup. Like Matherin comes. Like they they have all six five guys too. It's just yeah. they've got athletes. Like they've got more athletes than the Mavericks do. And I think that's that's one big issue. But they're also just like effort. Yeah, that's uh, tonight. So we like there's we didn't really talk about this much, but the Mavericks got doubled up on the offensive boards. This is not a big uh, Portland team at all. No, like they're not big. I mean, Duop Reith was their center tonight, and he's a six nine guy. And a lot of it, you you go back and you rewatch these games. You look at the offensive rebounds, and it's it's kind of shocking sometimes. Like the team just sits there and stares at the ball and just hopes that the ball drops into their lap <laughs> instead of you know, oh, where's my guy? All right, I'm putting a body on him. Yeah. And then you watch these teams that really get after it, that like the real top end contenders, and it's it's just so crisp and their their effort is so locked in every play, and that's something hopefully the Mavericks get to at some point. I mean, that's something that can be fixed. They had 18 offensive rebounds, which is insane, and. It felt like for some of these players, it's like, this is the only way I'm going to get a shot. <laughs> yeah. Is if I get an offensive rebound. Like, that's my chance to get points and to get any kind of, like, to get the ball at all. But yeah, the doubling up on that. They also took 53 threes in this game. So they're, like, it's a lot of them were long, long. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a rebound. lot of them were, were unfortunate for sure. I'll, I'll give you that. 
And because also, too, the Blazers, especially in this game, when we say they were missing threes, I mean, these weren't like, oh, back back rim, a little too strong, but the shots online, we're talking like clanks where you thought somebody was breaking down your door. No, no, no. That was just a (laughs) Tamani Kamara three. They call Chauncey Billups Mr. Big Shot, but they they just took that as like, oh, we got to hit the big shot. We got to take the big shots all over the floor. That they is took crazy. 105 shots in this game. They really must have told Kamara before the game, if you touch the ball, shoot. Yeah. We're fining you if you don't shoot. Yes. We don't care if we lose this game. Because obviously the Trailblazers don't. And this is what young teams do sometimes. You'll pull a guy aside and be like, hey, if you want to play in the league, you're going to have to shoot and hit threes. So. Well, the Mavs are doing tonight. the Mavs are doing that with Derrick Jones Jr. and Exum. Like you've got to take these threes when they're available to you, or else you won't play. Like we'll take you out. Yeah, we've got Omax sitting there waiting. Yeah, it's also December too. Remember that, guys. When there's like rotations and stuff that you might not like, they're figuring stuff out. They're trying to figure out who they can play. Slightly, no. Jason Kidd said the first ten games, and then he'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. Oh man, I just I don't want to speak on anything. Kid or, I've already getting screamed at every every place. I he look. played Exum more this game. Like he made the right choice. You know, like I, I thought. I, I keep thought giving they kid played, credit because I think he keeps playing the right guys. I thought they played a good game. I thought they played a well coached game tonight. Where offensively in the fourth quarter, after a, a kind of a struggle third quarter, they out of timeouts ran the right plays, got lively looks at the rim, got Luca looks at the rim. Um, I forgot which play it was, but there was one play in the third quarter where they come out of this timeout and they run this play they love where Dwight Powell's ceiling in the paint and Luca gets yes, an easy layup. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. they they uh I thought they I thought Kid did well tonight actually. I left that game thinking, oh, they made the right plays like towards the end of the game where it was kind of noticeable. Yeah, he's not going up against one of the top five coaches in the NBA. If you know my theory no. on coaches, uh there's five coaches that matter and five that tear your team down. And I think Chauncey Billups may be one of those bottom five teams, but yeah, well, uh, Blazers fans probably agree with you. Yeah, I'll ask Mike Richmond about that next time, I, next time I see him. There you go. Let us know in the comment section what's one thing that stood out to you in this game. Uh, let us know what you think about Kyrie. Let us know what you think about XM, all that kind of stuff. We'll be back on Sunday night. Me and Reggie will have you covered with some more Mavericks coverage. Then, Slightly and I, Monday and Tuesday for the Grizzlies mm. game and the Lakers game. Will the Lakers be the in-season tournament champion, Lakers, hey, by then? I'm, I'm rooting for them. Are you? Yeah. This is a new experience for me. I, I th- My former co-host was a staunch Laker hater. I like LeBron. I just, I don't Wow. Care. I think, I mean, what, how can, he's 38. Like, it's insane you, what he's doing. Do you like LeBron as much as Doc Rivers and Candace Parker do? <laughs> I, I saw a Pelicans fans were like, I can't believe, this is absurd. I'm like, guys, understand that this is a 38-year-old, like, at worst, second best player in the history of the sport. Like, kind also, of a big deal. When LeBron went to the, went to the West... ESPN's ratings tanked because yeah. their games, they're like, cause he wasn't playing the early slate of games. Like that is a thing that actually happened. I think JJ Reddick like, or Tim Legler said that. That makes uh, sense. It is a big, but I had to mute it. Cause they were just, they were talking so much about LeBron. They're just like, go, like, I don't not, I'm not a LeBron hater. Love the guy. Like, I think he's, you know, second best player of all time, but like they were just going, they were going at it too much. Like, look at it. Look at the way he goes on this. Like, look at the way he just drives to the rim. Yeah, where else was he gonna go? <laughs> I mean, it is he's it's twenty first year in the league. Like it's crazy. It I is hope it's good. I, I'm not like I'm not gonna be mad if the Pacers win. I hope for it's a good game. But I'm ha- the Pacers are a great story, so I don't wow. really care either way. I can't believe you hate small markets. Yeah, I hate them. <laughs> they should relocate to L.A. Oh, what do you think about the the Mavs Arena potentially being in Irving? I mean, it doesn't matter. There's no trains in the city. 
We're gonna be. You can take the orange line right there. You can take the really? orange line too. It goes yeah. Irving. Mm-hmm. Okay. It I goes right. It goes right past there. I think I genuinely put him like stop. I don't mind it being in Irving whatsoever. Did not want it in Arlington. That was literally it. That was my yeah right. line in the sand moment. Or Frisco. Like I don't. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have cared about Frisco. It's I draw g- the line in the sand with Arlington. There's a D Magazine article where they did some reporting where they looked up and it was like it was like the it was like my cousin's uncle's. You know, it was like one of those things where it was like. We looked at it, and there's a parcel of land bought by this company that's based in Florida, that's based here, that's based here, that's basically the shell company for the Las Vegas yeah. Sands. And they're like, they bought this piece of land back in July, and it's where the old Texas Stadium was, where the Cowboys used to play. And so that's where they think it's going to be. And so I I, tw- I posted it on the YouTube community tab, so go check that out if you want to see the the spot. If, but- you, if you still don't think legalized gambling is coming to texas you are wrong oh it's like they're just gonna force it through i mean yeah it's maybe next year if that's a thing they can put on the ballot next year or they are gamblers so maybe they're just gambling on that it'll happen and these people maybe this will be a bad beat for them man they know what they're doing but they're gamblers though they're they're betting on this are they they just build casinos I i don't know if they do or not I know nothing about them. There's no way gamblers are billionaires. Have you ever talked to like a real legitimate degenerate gambler? I know if they I know they've tripled down on Trump. That's the only thing I know. Hey, look at my 18 leg parlay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Guys, let us know in the comment section what you think about all that stuff. Guys, thanks for listening to Lockdown Maps. Peace out. Boom.